Alrighty, so because we don't have Matt and Mike here today, we have Dave Myers here today instead. Give him a welcome. Um, I've kind of put him on the spot here a little bit because um, I said I was going to read the Bible and then get him up. Um, but then I thought I should introduce him to you all first um, before just before you, should, you came up to give us the word, I guess. Um, so yeah, Dave, could you tell us a little bit about yourself um, and any information that you won't be talking about in your sermon because I don't want to take that away from you. Uh, we have three kids, Sam, Tom and Beth, 13, 11, 8. Um, I've uh, worked as a pastor on the central coast of New South Wales, Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, uh, and now I'm working with an organisation called Open Doors, uh, which is a real, real privilege. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and maybe just one question, um, which I didn't tell you about either, sorry. That's fine. <laughs> um, again, as long as it doesn't take away from your sermon, what's an encouragement that the Lord's given you recently? Oh, listen to the sermon, and I'll uh, I'll give you a bunch. Oh, look, um, oh, so many. So, uh, yeah, how long have you got? Uh, we can fill between now and the 150th birthday in a week's time if you want. But uh, God's been really kind to our family uh, in this season. Uh, we can see many tangible evidences of His kindness, answered prayer uh, in ways we've never seen before. Uh, and I think one of the biggest answers to prayer in our Christian life and within our Christian community has actually been the community we're in. Uh, and God answers prayers through his people. Uh, and so that's been a, a deeply, deeply encouraging thing is the way that God has provided for us uh, uh, in the context of community. Uh, and I'll uh, share a bunch of things I've been learning from the persecuted church, which I'll, I'll hold off until the sermon for that. Yeah. Fantastic. All right, well, let me pray for you for the sermon and then I'll read the word and let you go from there. Awesome, thanks, Jules. All righty. Um, yeah, Father, we are so, uh, I'm excited to hear what Dave has to say today uh, and how it is you've been working uh, through him and uh, yeah, just ministering to, to him and to those around him, Lord, um, especially through open doors. I pray that you would, um, through your Holy Spirit, Lord, place a, a great zeal and burning passion within all of us um, from, from, from just by hearing about what it is that you're doing, mm. um, but also the, the mission that it is you invite us into mm. as well. Um, yeah, Father, would you... Um, I, I, as, as a bold prayer from, from, from today, um, would you bring about um, a great change within us all mm. um, to, to eagerly desire your kingdom yeah. um, and eagerly desire for everyone else to be part of your kingdom too? Um, and if there are, yeah, if, if you have people in here who your hand is working upon for them to um, uh, take, take up um, the charge of, of becoming missionaries um, outside of the borders of, of Brisbane, Lord, um, would today be something that would encourage them? Um, but for us as a church as a whole, would we be encouraged in your word? And through the work that you're doing in the world, uh, because you are a living and active God who invites us into his mission. Uh, and I'm, yeah, we're looking forward to hearing about that. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks, Jules. All right, got the reading from Philippians 3, 11. Oh, lost it. Philippians 3, 11 to the end. Oh, no, sorry, sorry, 1 to 11, 1 to 11. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of, Gen tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, and as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to, the righteous, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness of God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Amazing. Thanks, Jules. 
Uh, something I just learnt is that uh, a white font on a white sky doesn't work well on that uh, the projector there. But it worked fine on the TV at the back. So if any Bible verses pop up and you can't see them in front of you, uh, you can turn to the TV at the back and you'll be able to see them. Well, uh, good morning. Uh, it is really a privilege to be here today. Uh, as Jules said, my name is Dave, and it is uh, a privilege to be able to open up God's Word. Uh, and I'm really excited to be here this week, uh, ahead of the 150th anniversary of this church. Uh, praise God for His faithfulness. Uh, 150 years ago, uh, people with a, a gospel vision in the city of Brisbane had a vision to move a long way out of the city. 150 years ago, this is a long way from the city. Today, it's in a city. Uh, but 150 years ago, this was a little bit of a trek, uh, and thanks be to God for the vision uh, of those men and women uh, and the work that they helped to seed. Uh, praise Him for, for, for 150 years of His faithfulness, uh, and I hope and trust that next week really is an encouragement to those of you who have been here for a couple of weeks uh, and those of you who have been here for over 60 years. Uh, I've met a bunch of people in between those realms already this morning. Uh, I know uh, Pastor Matt and Elise well, uh, and I'm really encouraged by them. They've been great friends uh, to Rowena and myself. Uh, I've met Pastor Mike and Larissa as well, and thank God for them, uh, for the team around them, for many of you. I hear the reports of how God continues to raise up people uh, to be part of the mission and continue, God willing, for the next 150 years uh, and beyond. Uh, probably no one here will be serving for that long, uh, but the work you're doing, God willing, will continue to bear fruit in the years to come. Uh, well, I do work with uh, Open Doors Australia. Show of hands if you're familiar with the uh, organisation Open Doors. Uh, lots of people, maybe two-thirds of people at least. Uh, for over 65 years, Open Doors have been part of strengthening the persecuted church around the world. Uh, some of you may have even heard it's relatively big news in the Christian world. Uh, in this last week, our founder, uh, a Dutch missionary, Brother Andrew, uh, died at the age of 94. Uh, it's been a, a while coming, uh, but we thank God for a remarkable servant of Christ. And so as we begin, as we dig into the passage that Jules has read out for us, I thought it'd be worthwhile thanking God for Brother Andrew, thanking God for the, the witness of what God is doing in this church, and praying that God's Spirit would illuminate this word for our hearts. Why don't you pray with me? Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we want to thank you and praise you for the gospel. Uh, we thank you that it is good news. It is good news that needs to be made known. And Father, we want to thank you for those that have made it known to us. We thank you for those that have proclaimed Christ, uh, who lived, died, and rose again. Uh, to us, whether that's in our homes, whether that's our neighbour, our colleague, our friend, our youth group leader. Uh, Father, thank you for those that have communicated Christ to us. And we praise you for 150 years of uh, faithful gospel proclamation through this church. Uh, we thank you for the way that uh, men, women and children have given themselves uh, to Christ's mission here in Anogra. Uh, and Father, we ask that, I ask for my family here and for those who can't be with us uh, this morning, that you would be with them this coming week as they look back and remember, as they look back and they celebrate, and also as they look forward with great anticipation uh, over all that you will continue to do through this church uh, in the years ahead. Lord, continue to empower them by your Holy Spirit. Uh, continue to um, work in this community, uh, that this community would be a light to the community around it. Father, we thank you. Uh, for the work of Open Doors, but particularly thank you for the, the obedience of Brother Andrew some 65 plus years ago. Uh, we thank you for the way that you worked in his life to bring him to you. And Father, we thank you for the bold and courageous things he did actually as an ordinary Christian. Uh, and Father, thank you for the lives that have been impacted, the persecuted church that has been strengthened, the organization that has formed and the ongoing work that happens not in his name, but in Christ's name. And so, Father, we, uh, we honour him. Uh, we pray that you be with his family as he grieves and the Open Doors family around the world. Uh, and may, uh, may that work continue on um, and may your spirit continue to guide uh, Open Doors and uh, those that they are serving in the persecuted church. And, Father, thank you that you speak. And, Lord, we ask right now you give us ears to hear the word we've just heard read out. Uh, Father, um, make us even feel a little uncomfortable as we hear and reflect upon this word. Uh, but give us hope in Jesus and give us the will uh, by the Spirit of God to put this word into practice. And Father, we pray this boldly and confidently through Jesus Christ, our risen, ruling and returning King, and all those with expectant hearts said, Amen. 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 
Uh, well, we live in a, a complex world. We have so many things that are competing for our attention. Uh, maybe even right now you've got your phone out and there's even a constant stream of notifications that are kind of pinging and, and continue to grab your attention. Uh, maybe as you think about a complex world, it's managing the complex web of relationships. It might be considering how to parent in a changing culture or calculating uh, risk with finance and investment and changed interest rates. It could be grappling with complex ideas. It could be the fears of new conflicting ideologies that are uncomfortable. D does anyone feel the complexity, even chaos, of life? Anyone? A few people. Good. Uh, the rest of you are too overwhelmed to even raise your hand. But <laughs> look, there's been, there's been various responses to living life in a complex world. Uh, with so much clutter, what do we do? We try and declutter. Only keeping the things that spark joy. You know, with so many choices, we embrace minimalism. Uh, I've actually done that. You know, when I wake up in the morning, I've got seven black T-shirts that are all identical. I wear the same pair of jeans. My only choice is which pair of shoes. And if it's a Sunday, I'll put a shirt over the top so it's a little bit more of Sunday best. But with so much chaos in the city... What do we do? We move away from cities. We enjoy a sea change and a simpler life in, in beautiful locations. The, the amount of people that migrated from Melbourne and Sydney north to Brisbane in this season. I was back in Sydney this last week and reminded of why I'm really thankful that I don't regularly drive in Sydney. There's something about a little bit slower pace of life here in southeast Queensland. You see, what we do when we're confronted with complex things is we try to remove the complex and embrace something that is more simple. Now, when it comes to Christianity, I've got a hunch that I think often it feels complex. And I wonder whether part of the complexity that we feel as we consider what it means to follow Jesus is that we have overcomplicated Christianity. You know, we have long debates about doctrine. We come up with long lists of rules that aren't even in the Bible. Now, it matters what we believe, uh, and it matters that we seek to walk in obedience to God, and yet we have more information at our fingertips than any other generation in history. We can listen to podcasts, we can download ebooks, we can watch sermons and lectures. Each of these things are good, but I wonder whether it can contribute to an overload and a complication of Christianity. And what happens is Perhaps when we have so much information, we end up losing sight of what is at the centre of Christianity. Now, what is at the centre of Christianity? What is the essence of Christianity? Wait for it. Christianity is about Christ. Christ is central to the Christian faith. Now, you might be thinking, thank you, Captain Obvious. It was... Uh, Good to come and hear that message this morning, but I think the reality is we need to be reminded and be refreshed and remember the simplicity that the essence of Christianity is Christ. Our key verse this morning is one that Jules didn't read out. This is from Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, earlier in the book. And, and Paul says this, he says, For to me to live is Christ and to die is devastating. No, to die is gain. Who's familiar with this Bible verse? A lot of people. I think this is one of them, it's relatively short, uh, but the book of Philippians has a lot of memory verses in it, and this is one that I think many people have been struck by. An incredible verse that gets to the essence of, of life, of death, and even of Christianity. This verse is packed with a message for us all, every single one of us in the building today, whether you've been around church your whole life, or whether you're only just investigating the message of Jesus. This verse, Philippians 1.21, gets to the heart of what it means to follow after Christ. Now, I have, um, I've read this verse many times. I've memorized it. I've reflected upon it. I've even preached upon it. But if I'm honest, I think it's only in recent weeks that I've begun to grasp something of the depths. Yes, it's a simple verse, but it's a deep verse. And how has this verse, I guess, come alive to me in recent weeks? It's through spending time with persecuted believers. Uh, Open Doors Australia exists to serve persecuted 
Christians. How do we do that? We do that by helping people follow Jesus all over the world, no matter the cost. Uh, Just last month, I've returned from being in Egypt with uh, a remarkable team from Open Doors Australia and New Zealand, and it was a life-changing experience. And being in Egypt actually opened my eyes to some of the ways I have actually complicated Christianity, some of the ways that I have kind of missed the simplicity of the essence of our faith. You know, as we visited various Christians on the ground, there were times when we would ask them uh, about how they go about their discipleship, how they keep following Jesus, and we were regularly met with the answer, we just follow Jesus. One believer even said to us, he said, I think some Christians in the West make discipleship so complex that they don't have to do anything about it. At Open Doors, we believe that the persecuted church can be one of the most significant mentors in your Christian life. In fact, Scripture clearly says that persecution is a normal expectation of following Jesus. And if you became a student of church history, you would learn that people have been persecuted and have even lost their lives simply because of their faith in Christ. Don't know if you know, but right now, one in seven Christians in the world, that's approximately 360 million people on this planet, they are persecuted. And they live under the constant threat of persecution because they follow Jesus. Now, this morning, I want to share some of their stories with you. But I think it's important before I do that, that this isn't just let's look at other people and how God has worked in their lives. We want to first and foremost ground this in God's Word. We want to make sure that this is not just some stories that might move us emotionally, but they're actually digging into the Word and we're considering what it says. And so our key verse again, Philippians chapter 1 verse 21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. The essence of Christianity is Christ. And here's what I think Paul does with chapter 1, verse 21. I think that verse, actually, what Paul introduces us to there in chapter 3, I think he fleshes it out. I think chapter 3 certainly has chapter 1, verse 21 in mind as it kind of unpacks, well, what does this mean to live for Christ? And what does this mean that to die is gain? And so pick it up with me again uh, from Philippians chapter 3. Uh, If you've got a Bible, keep it out and keep it open. But Philippians chapter 3, verse 2, it says this, uh, Look out for the dogs, look out for those, for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision, who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Paul says, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. This sets our context. And there's a sense in which you can imagine that Paul has two columns as he reflects uh, on what is in this text. It's almost um, some accounting terminology. And in the two columns, he's got one is profit and his other column is loss. And what does Paul have in the loss column? Well, he says it there, doesn't he? He he says that his family, his religious deeds, his tribal identity, his education, his zeal, they are all loss. And yet in the prophet column he has one thing and the one thing is Christ everything else is in the lost column Christ alone is in the found column have a look verse 8 it continues he he puts he literally says everything verse 8 indeed I count everything as loss now why is Everything counted as loss because of Christ, because of the value of the treasure that is in the gain column. You see, for Paul, 
It's all about Jesus. Knowing Jesus. Gaining Jesus. And trusting Jesus. And you, you kind of see him unpack these things. Knowing, gaining and trusting. Knowing, gaining and trusting Christ is worth everything. And everything else is worth nothing compared to that. Verse 8 goes on and he says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. There's all sorts of things we value in this world and yet if you want to know the most valuable thing in this world, the most valuable thing in this world is knowing Christ. Now get this, it's not just knowing about Christ, but having a relationship with Christ. The idea of knowing is the idea of knowing Him intimately. And so when you know that Christ is of infinite value, that perspective enables you to count everything else as lost. Now, more than that, verse 8 continues, he says, For His, for Christ's sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Isn't that a profound perspective? Losing everything is okay when you gain Christ. We consider everything else. Now listen carefully. It's not just considering the bad things as loss, the things that it's right to write off, the things that it's right to even get rid of. But everything, not just the bad things in our lives, but also the good things. He he considers his family of origin as loss. His religious deeds as loss. Good things that we ought to pursue, that we ought to even thank God for. We ought to thank God for our families. And yet, Paul says he considers everything, not just the bad, but also the good and right things. And he says that they are rubbish, is the word that's used there. The word is literally the idea of dung, a a big pile of poop. it's, it's, It's deliberately a little bit crass. He's like, all of that is crap, literally, compared to what? Gaining Christ. You see, pursuing a simple faith is not just about removing all the complex and distracting things in this life, right? But it's also about gaining Christ. And it's an unbeatable trade because your religiosity, your possessions, your wins, even your family are rubbish compared to possessing the greatest treasure in the whole wide world, knowing and gaining Christ. But more than that, verse 9 continues and says, And being found in Him... Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. It's worth um, stopping just to reflect on that verse for a moment. And we know uh, clearly from Scripture that God is righteous. That He is holy. That He is good. And that in order to stand in the presence of a righteous and holy God. We've sung about that with the opening song, only a holy God. When we know His holiness, the only way to stand in the presence of a holy, righteous God is we also need to be righteous. Habakkuk says God's eyes are too pure to even look upon evil. So how is it possible to stand in the presence of a holy and righteous God? Well, there's two ways to be righteous. Number one, is to do it through our obedience to the law. Quick show of hands if you're killing that one. How are you going with your uh, righteous obedience to the law? It's impossible to actually attain righteousness through our righteous obedience to the law. We all fall short of God's glory. We have all sinned in thought, in word, and in deed. And so it's actually not possible to be made righteous through... The text says this, through our obedience to the law. And so if there's two ways to be righteous, let's go for the second one. We receive righteousness as a gift. We receive righteousness as a gift. How? By trusting, by having faith is the word in this text. By having faith in Jesus. The reason we can stand righteous is not because of anything we do. Any laws we keep are because of Christ. He kept the laws on our behalf. And then he went to the cross 
having lived a perfect, righteous life on our behalf, he died a sacrificial death in our place and for our sin. Now, if we had more time, uh, we could turn back to Philippians chapter 2. We won't read it right now, but if you're not familiar with it, read it. Uh, But in Philippians chapter 2, we learn that Jesus, the one who is in very nature God, he became a man, choosing to serve, choosing humility, choosing obedience, obedience even to death upon the cross. And it's only through trusting in Christ and who he is and what he has done that we stand as righteous in the presence of God. This is good news. Amen? Amen. But if that's not enough, but wait, there's more. It's like a dodgy salesman. Wait, there's more. Verse 10, he says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Death could not hold Jesus down. And the hope that is now ours through Jesus, through knowing Christ, we share in his sufferings and we share in his resurrection. Get this, just as Jesus' tomb is empty, our tombs will also be empty. And that is good news because regardless of what we face in this life, the future is always bright for those who are knowing, gaining and trusting in Christ. You know, one of the uh, things I was looking forward to about our recent trip to Egypt was leaning in a little bit closer to some of the persecution stories that I've previously read about and even shared before while preaching in the past. I was on our second full day in Egypt after a marathon to even get there. And after this otherworldly morning out in the silence of the desert, visiting these almost 2,000-year-old Christian monasteries, we came back to the hustle and the bustle of downtown Cairo. And we arrived through uh, the the heavy security of a church called El Botrasia. We had the scorching mid-afternoon heat upon our backs, the constant honking of horns around the perimeter of the church compound, and kind of, it was, it was messy, it was noisy, and I didn't realise just how close we were about to get to these familiar stories. In a matter of seconds of entering into that compound, we were retracing the steps of a suicide bomber. Step one, the entry. Immediately, we were shown exactly where the suicide bomber had walked in off the street at 10am, on Sunday, the 11th of December, 2016. Step two, the wrong door. Those familiar with Coptic traditional church culture in Egypt would know that men sit on the left and the women sit on the right of the church. And so when this newcomer starts walking towards the door on the right, attention is brought to this person. Step three, the intervention. One man, Nabil, he noticed and he instantly ran after him, wrapping his arms around the terrorist. And just after he'd entered the women's door and at that moment, the bomb was detonated. Step four, the impact. As a result of the explosion, uh, 28 women and girls were killed as well as Nabil, And it would have been many more, but for the heroic intervention of this observant brother in Christ. Step five, the blood. Outside the church, just to the left of the photo on the screen, they've put some glass over some of the blood, still splattered on the walls, about 40 metres away from the bomb blast, to remember that day. And to remember those whose blood was shed. Step six, the shrapnel. The shrapnel marks that remain on the internal pillars of that church made an indelible impression on me too. Step seven, the black tile. We stood about a metre away from that pillar on the ground 
on a black tile that had been placed there after the refurbishment of this church. This, where we stood, was where the suicide bomber ended the lives of those those ordinary followers of Jesus. Gathering for Sunday worship. Just like right now, we are gathering today. We stood in that place and we remembered those martyrs. Step eight, the twin. Uh, on the day of our visit, just another couple of metres away from that black tile, we had the privilege of meeting this man, Ashrav. Ashrav is the twin brother of Nabil. Step nine, the peace of God. Listen to these words from Ashrav, reflecting on that dreadful day. He said, The sight of the blood and the bodies in the aftermath of the explosion was unbearable. But knowing that Nabil is now crowned in heaven gives me strength. God has supernaturally filled me with condolence, comfort and peace. Step 10, the resolve. We asked these words to Ashrav. We said, are people still worried and fearful of coming to church? His response was, every day we have a liturgy and every day the church is full. Let's be honest, in Brisbane, sometimes if there's a little bit of rain on Sunday, we may be strongly tempted to avoid gathering together. And yeah, look at these lessons from our persecuted brothers and sisters. We've got some real reasons to be afraid. And yet, rather than shrinking back in fear, you see what persecution does? And this is a lesson we saw again and again and across the country. Persecution brings greater resolve. These Christ followers don't give up meeting together. But adversity actually draws their community together more. People turn up more often to church after the suicide bombing. Resolving, we're staying in this thing together. We're standing together as the people of God. You know, earlier on in Philippians chapter 1, Paul said this uh, about his chains for the gospel. He said, I want you to know, Philippians 1 verse 12, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ and... Most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. El El Botrasea Church believers continue to speak the word of God without fear, even though these are a people that have many reasons to fear. What a beautiful example to us as we hear of their stories of a people who are knowing, gaining and trusting in Christ. Step 11, the irrigation. On the desert highway that morning, uh, before we'd even visited the church, our tour guide said these powerful words, the blood of the martyrs is the irrigation of the church. What does that mean? The blood of the martyrs helps to grow the church. As persecution increases, the Egyptian church continues to meet, disciple, evangelize and grow. And the blood fuels that growth. Immediately after we'd visited uh, that bomb site, uh, the day was about to get even bigger. (laughs) We went to a bigger church next door, actually the the cathedral, St. Mark's Cathedral, a massive building next door. We learned all about St. Mark. St. Mark is the guy that wrote the gospel according to Mark. He was the one that took the gospel to Egypt. And it was, that's a whole other talk I could give you about the things we learned about his gospel witness and even his martyrdom uh, because of taking the gospel to Egypt. And yet we learned about him. And after we learned about him, we made our way through a maze of stairs up a kind of rickety lift and into the back room of the cathedral. Uh, Not really front and centre on the tourist 
uh, route of, uh, of holidaymakers in Egypt. And what we were confronted with was an experience that was solemn, that was uh, a moment to be remembered as we visited the Martyrs Hall. Uh, if I'm honest, this was the moment I was waiting for since learning about our travel itinerary. Uh, rewind just a little bit uh, to a story that I first heard back in 2015. Uh, 21 foreign workers, uh, 20 men from Egypt and one man from Ghana were working in the country to the left of Egypt in North Africa, Libya. And terrorists had kidnapped these 21 Christian men because they'd been identified as Christian men. They were forced into a camp for three weeks and each and every single day they were urged to deny Christ, to turn away from their faith. And as the three weeks went on, the pressure grew more intense, but all 21 of these men stood firm in Christ, refusing to deny their allegiance to their Lord and to their Saviour. Here were courageous men who knew that to live is Christ and to die is gain. And because of their refusal to renounce their faith in Christ, in January 2015, they were marched out onto a Libyan beach. You know, orange overalls, and they were executed at the hands of extremists. Uh, and many of us, probably the majority of us, would have even heard of this at the time. This act of brutality was filmed and then broadcast to the horror uh, of millions around the world. I still remember the horror of learning that story when that news first broke in 2015. But also immediately, within, within, within moments of the news breaking to the world, I was inspired by the immediate and reflexive words of love, grace and gospel confidence from the pastor of many of these Egyptian men who were martyred. This is what he said, from the Egyptian church to ISIS. We love you and have pity on you and pray that God may open your eyes so that you can see the true light in Jesus Christ. We're not intimidated by your threats. Death is a vanquished enemy for us, vanquished by the power of the Christ in his resurrection from the dead. We are not armed and we're not militant. But our prayers are stronger than all your weapons. It's a, a remarkable response. We consider someone who cuts us off in traffic as the greatest enemy ever and are cursing them on the inside. This man has lost, I think it was 17 of his church members trying to earn money for their families over in Libya easily able to avoid death by just renouncing their faith in Christ and then maybe afterwards saying, just joking, I really am a Christian. What a response. You can tell that this church, this community of faith, are a people who know, gain and trust, even in this moment, Christ. That faith community believe in the resurrection of the dead. They know that death is not the end for those who belong to Jesus. You know, it was, a, it was a solemn moment hearing our tour guide retell the martyrdom of these faithful 21 Christian brothers and the otherworldly response of their Christian community in the face of adversity. Now, before we went to the Martyrs Hall, uh, here's what I thought the Martyrs Hall was. I thought we were going to see 21 monuments for the 21 courageous men who were martyred on that Libyan beach. The reality, there was so much more to see. Yes, we saw the monuments of those 21 men, but unsurprisingly, there were a further 29 monuments for those who were killed in the bomb blast next door at El Botrasea. But more than that, there were multiple rooms with hundreds of monuments it was jarring. Hundreds of ordinary people with their portraits on the wall, a quote about their life and a box with some keepsakes. It was haunting to walk past monument after monument. And yet the image that remained most vividly etched in my memory that day was turning around a corner and discovering a whole line of 
empty boxes. I'm like, why are there empty boxes here? Well, they know that there is more blood to be shed. The boxes will be filled. You know, the expectation for followers of Jesus in Australia is that hopefully following Jesus won't interrupt my schedule or bring about too much discomfort. And yet the expectation for followers of Jesus in Egypt is that one day your picture and your plaque may be displayed above one of those boxes. What a challenge. What a shadow to live underneath. And yet what an opportunity to know and believe the certain victory that is ours in Christ. What an opportunity to believe that uh, chapter 3, verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. What a powerful example of ordinary men, women and even children who demonstrate to us what this means. And so where do we land this? At one level, this feels so far away and so foreign to our experiences of, of following Jesus in Brisbane. You see, we may not lose our life because of a suicide bomber. We may not lose our life because of some violent end, because we're followers of Jesus. And yet, nonetheless, we need to give up our lives to Christ. To live is Christ and to die is gain. If we're willing to listen and to learn, the persecuted church in Egypt can teach us to live for Christ and to die for Christ and to know that even premature death and departure from this life is gain because we've got Christ. Gain because we get more of Christ. Gain because we will see His face. Gain because it is worth it to give up everything for the sake of the one who gave up everything for us. You see, the persecuted church, not just in Egypt, but all around the world, can teach us to hold fast to Christ amid the threat of martyrdom, knowing that death is not the end for those who trust in Him. Jesus, as Paul certainly believes in Philippians 3, is victorious over the grave. And our tombs will also be empty as Christ's tomb is empty on the last day. On our um, second last day of a couple of weeks in Egypt, we uh, visited the Hanging Church. Uh, this was just a remarkable place, a, a third century church uh, in old Coptic Cairo. And uh, a remarkable history and so many things to learn in this place. But we noticed at this old church, more boxes. And these were boxes that were also filled with some things. These boxes were, were filled with relics, with the bones of martyrs from the first few centuries, when Christianity first made it to Egypt and spread throughout that nation. These were ancient boxes, and yet they were, they were ordinary people who were also killed because of their faith in Christ. And so visiting this ancient church was like a bookend to our time in Egypt. At the beginning of the trip, we walked among monuments of those who've recently given up their lives for Christ. And then at the end of the trip, we walked among monuments of those who have given up their lives for Christ a long time ago. And it was a little, if I'm honest, uh, we're all Protestants here. It was a little bit confronting to see some people walk up to these boxes and kind of touch them and then pray in front of them. That's not a normal part of being a Protestant Christian in Australia. And yet our tour guide so helpfully demystified things for us and said that they're not praying to the relics, but rather being inspired by their stories. And he said these beautiful words. He said, these monuments are an assembly of Christ lovers. We're here to simply learn from them. As we walk past their relics, we remember their faith and pray that we too will be courageous. Christianity in this nation really is built on the blood of the martyrs. 
Isn't that a beautiful line? An assembly of Christ lovers. When we, if you ever have the opportunity to walk past these boxes or the boxes we walk past in the Martyrs Hall from more recently, or even simply learning the stories of persecuted Christians who are counting the cost and giving up everything for the sake of Christ, when we hear their stories, they're an example to us. They are an assembly of Christ lovers. And they are to teach us to likewise trust Christ wholeheartedly, no matter the cost. Brothers and sisters, I hope uh, that even just hearing a few stories this morning is an encouragement for you to learn from those who have given up everything a long time ago, to learn from those who are continuing to give up everything in our time. In a world that, where we've made faith complex, let's actually learn from their example and cling on to Christ. Embrace a simple faith remembering that Christianity is Christ. Let's learn from the assembly of Christ lovers how to know Christ, how to gain Christ, and how to trust Christ. Look, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, um, welcome. You are so welcome in this church. I can't think of many places better you could be on a Sunday. I can't think of anywhere better you could be on a Sunday morning than here. It's a wonderful church. uh, And so let me urge you to keep coming along to this church and keep considering the claims of Christ in this church. But Look, it might be that today you've been, it has been kind of confronting for you if you're not yet a follower of Jesus. That's okay. That's, um, that's actually to be expected. It might even feel like a really weird sales pitch for Christianity. You know, hey, come to Jesus and you'll die. And yet, listen carefully. You've actually just gotten to the heart of the call of what it means to follow Jesus. It is worth giving up every comfort of this life for the sake of gaining Christ, for the sake of knowing Him. He is worth it. Friend, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, hear it this morning. He loves you. He lived for you. He died for you. He rose from the grave for you. And Jesus offers eternal life and eternal hope to all who trust in Him. Death is the end for all of us, whether that's in a dramatic martyrdom moment or peacefully uh, at the age of 94, like Brother Andrew, or the age of 96, like Queen Elizabeth. It is worth, though, giving your life to Jesus now, knowing that your life is secure forever in Him. Faith in Jesus might be simple, but that doesn't make it easy. And so if you want to start following Jesus, uh, please speak to one of the team. Come and speak to Jules. uh, Speak to the pastors when they're back. Uh, Keep coming along and learning here at Inogra Baptist uh, what it will look like, not to just put your trust in Christ, but to then continue growing in Him and taking the next step and taking the next step. But look, I know that uh, the majority of you here this morning are already followers of Jesus. And so, look, here's, uh, here's three simple things you can do off the back of what you've heard today. Uh, you can do one of them, you can do all of them. Uh, learn, pray, and give. Number one, keep learning. Keep learning from our brothers and sisters in the persecuted church. I, I, for over 20 years, for long since before I knew Open Doors existed, uh, I've been learning Uh, from the persecuted church and it's been one of the things that stirred my heart and my soul and my own discipleship uh, more than many other things number one learn number two pray would you pray for them Uh, we have a bunch of prayer guides out the back at the stall that i'll be at after the service Uh, we'd love you to even sign up at our prayer newsletter at the back there as well that's actually one of the constant requests we had all across egypt was egyptian believers saying you'll pray for us won't you Please pray for us. And you might not be able to do anything else today. But if you're able to pray that God would strengthen our brothers and sisters in their faith, uh, that would be a gift to them. And then the third and final thing is give. Would you consider giving? Uh, Obviously, over and above your regular giving, uh, a one-off gift to support and strengthen the persecuted church around the world. Uh, There's a link up on the screen. Uh, There's also cards that you can find uh, on the seats nearby. There's a QR code on the back. You can also fill in your details on the back and come and give it to me after the service. Uh, But look, one of the big things that Open Doors has done since its foundations, Brother Andrew, the one that just died, uh, the the thing he kind of started doing was smuggling Bibles across borders. We still do that. And that's still a big part of what Open Doors does. 
so that believers can be strengthened in the word. And so any gift that you give today uh, will help in that task. Uh, and so if you want to have any questions about that, uh, but if and as you are able, whether that's right this moment or taking this card and filling it out later on, um, we, would, we would be very, very thankful for that. I will be out in the foyer. Uh, there's a table out there. Uh, but thank you. Thank you so much for leaning in and learning from the persecuted church today. Uh, thank you to those who have given in the past, those that are considering giving. Uh, you really are helping to bring hope uh, to persecuted Christians. Thanks so much for having me this morning. Why don't I conclude uh, our time in the Word by committing our persecuted family and ourselves to the Lord in prayer. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for your Word and we thank you for the challenge from the Apostle Paul in your Word, uh, a challenge to see that to live is, to, is, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Lord, give us eyes to see and truly believe that knowing gaining and trusting Christ is everything and that everything else is rubbish compared to that surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank you that he lived for us. Thank you that he died for us. Thank you that he was raised again. And Father, we want to thank you for brothers and sisters throughout the ages who have given up everything to follow Jesus and even lost their lives in the process. Father, thank you for recent stories that we can learn of what our brothers and sisters in Egypt are undergoing. And Father, we know of many countries right now where being a Christian uh, comes at a great cost. Lord, help us to keep learning their stories. Lord, give us a heart as we learn uh, to be inspired by them and to pray for them, that you would strengthen them, that they would keep trusting Jesus no matter the cost. And Father, thank you for those uh, here today who... Uh, have previously been able to give towards this work. Uh, thank you for those that are able to give towards the work today. Would you continue to meet the needs of the persecuted church? Would you continue to um, uh, enable more and more Bibles to make it into the hands of people who want to know Jesus and want to know him in his word? And so, Father, thank you uh, for being at work among us. Strengthen us. Strengthen this church as you have for 150 years. Continue to strengthen them uh, by the might of your power, uh, by the strength in your word. Uh, by the presence of your Holy Spirit, uh, Lord, continue to do what only you can do in this community uh, for their joy, for their good, uh, and for the glory of your holy name, we pray. Amen.